some people, I'm sure myself included, if I wouldn't have, you know, got to this realization earlier, could spend their whole life chasing these things, these elusive materialistic things, getting that raise, making more money, then I'll be happy getting the bigger house, driving the nice car, going on the fancy vacation, whether it's Hawaii or Fiji or Italy or wherever the case may be. And after having done all of those things, and again, aggressively pursuing them, I was for a while in aggressive pursuit of all these material things because I was just craving and aching for the next thing, searching for the thing that would truly fulfill me and make me happy. And coming to the realization that none of that actually truly makes me happy, it makes me happy for like seven minutes. Welcome to the Strive for More podcast. My name is Jared Hendry and I'm the founder of the Strive Accelerator. We are a group of young entrepreneurs that you've probably never heard of and we figured out that a community of like-minded people is the only way to ensure we flourish in business, in our relationships, and in our lives. This podcast is dedicated to uncovering the stories of the communities around successful people that got them to where they are, and in the process, we'll break down barriers for you to succeed too. Our next guest bought his first investment property at age 25. He got hooked and has been buying investment properties every year since then. And today he owns a portfolio of 97 units, which includes houses, duplexes, and apartment buildings. He's on a mission to help other people discover the wealth building power of real estate by showing them his unique system. He's also a virtual coach and runs a multi-million dollar online business with his business partner, Eben Pagan. Please welcome our next guest, James Mel. Well, James, thank you so much for joining us today. It is an absolute pleasure. And, and let's just get right into it. Let's do it. Hey, Jared. <laughs> so I think all of us that know of you, know you um, from your online presence, know that you're just really one of the most successful online marketers and entrepreneurs in the world. Uh, but you didn't start out as an entrepreneur. So I'd love to go back to your past and explore um, how you kind of got into business. And, and I'd like to start with your beginnings at at the Chamber of Commerce, because you originally, in, in some of the research that I was doing, you'd mentioned that you wanted to climb the corporate ladder. Can you talk about that beginning? Yeah, definitely. And before talking about the Chamber of Commerce, I, I want to preface that by saying that I've always believed that you, how do I say this, that the things you want in life, whether it's career-wise, personal-wise, wherever that case may be, you've got to know what you want. You've got to have a vision for it. And then you've got to make it happen yourself. And I've, I say that because I've always taken responsibility for the results I've gotten in my life. And that happened from a very early age. So although I'm not, I wasn't recognized as an entrepreneur until sort of like my mid twenties, I did all the typical stuff growing up, like having a paper route. And when I was in high school, I had this job after school where I would, I would be a courier for a law firm. So I'd spend my time after after high school from 3.30 to 5.30 delivering legal documents, filing stuff at the courthouse, getting paid $15 an hour. But I did that because for a few reasons. One, because I wanted to make money and I wanted to be able to provide for myself. And I knew that at, in high school, I was going to be then going into college and I didn't want to graduate with debt like I had heard so many people do. So I wanted to make money and take responsibility for myself. I didn't want to have to depend on student loans. I didn't want to have to depend on my parents, none of that sort of stuff. I'm sharing this so you can see the mindset I had from an early age 
the habits I developed, which then carried me into the success I had later on in life. So that's a little bit of a short story there. I've always invested in my future, right? I've always had the long-term perspective versus a short-term. So while other people were hanging out or partying or whatever, I chose to invest in myself, whether it was you know, the paper route early on, whether it was the glorified paper route as a high school student working for the law firm, or even at that time, I was also a hobby I had was cleaning aquariums. And I cleaned aquariums in different clients' offices and got paid $100 an hour to do so, right? So all those things prepared me for when I then worked at the Chamber of Commerce after graduating from, from university and being in a position which so many other people are looking around like, okay, well, what am I supposed to do next? Get a job, I guess. Because at that time, I got to be honest, I was afraid of going two feet into entrepreneurship, like full out entrepreneurship. So I got a job. And when I looked around, I did, I spent about a month, Jared, doing the whole handout resume stuff. And I realized that's just like playing the lotto. You know, I don't want my resume to be on the stack of somebody's desk with a hundred other ones. And maybe I'm lucky enough to get chosen. So like I just shared there, taking responsibility for my results, I knew I needed to create my own opportunity. And so what I did is I identified the Chamber of Commerce as being a great place to help me develop some of the skills I would need later on in life. And most importantly, meet the right people. Because I knew the Chamber of Commerce, it's like the mecca of business in any local area, right? Like CEOs hang out there, politicians, entrepreneurs. So that's why I chose to work there, not because of any money I was going to get paid. I only got paid $32,000 a year at the end of the day working there. But how I created that job, and this is how I would approach anything, you know, moving forward, is I started going to Chamber of Event, uh, Chamber of Commerce events because they host a bunch of events every single month. And I would go to them and I would participate in them and I'd get to know them and I'd get to meet some of the people there. I'd get to meet some of the staff. So I got familiar with it. I did research just probably like you mentioned, you did a bit of research on me before doing this podcast, right? That type of stuff. I did my homework and then I eventually got to meet one of the managers there who I built a relationship with and then offered to work and said, hey, look, if you guys are looking to sell more memberships, I would be great at that. I like sales and marketing. Why don't you give me a crack at it? And I went directly to him versus sending in an email or sending in my resume there wasn't even a job at the time, you know, so there, I created my own job. That's why I share that. And I've done that same thing over and over again in my life. And it's one of the things that have really helped me get ahead is not waiting for opportunities to come into my lap or just sort of taking what's out there. It's identifying what I want and then proactively taking responsibility for making it happen. And James, you spoke about making things happen and and, and making your own job. And another example of that, I think, was when you started working um, or trying to work with Evan Pagan. And for the listeners who may not know, Evan Pagan is was a mentor of yours. And then um, I won't go into too much of the story, but, but Evan Pagan is one of the most renowned um, online marketers. And so I'd be interested to know if you can tell the story about how you created your own job for Evan. Yeah, definitely. So I worked at the Chamber of Commerce, which was an amazing opportunity. It was an amazing experience. I met so many different people there. And you are who you surround yourself with. I've always believed that. So I might not be the smartest person. I might not be the most talented person. But if there's one thing I've always done right in my career so far, it's getting around the right people. And I can't explain why or how or whatever happens, but magical things happen when you get around the right people. 
And so while I worked at the Chamber of Commerce, two things happened, two standout things. One, I got to meet some amazing entrepreneurs. I met one entrepreneur in particular who was very successful, and he taught me about money and wealth. And at the time, I was doing the things I thought you were supposed to be doing, which was showing up to work early, being the last one to leave, saving my money in mason jars, you know, like Susie Orman talks about, like charging <laughs> every little penny, literally down to cutting out coupons from, you know, anywhere I could get them. Do you but, still do that? What's that? Do you still do that? I don't do that anymore. No, no. <laughs> I've changed my mindset. I can talk about that a little bit later on, but that's how I approached life for a long time. I would buy clothes off eBay. Literally, I'd buy clothes off eBay to try and wow. you know save money. That's I had to buy suits work in the Chamber of Commerce, right? And I wanted to look good. I wanted to you know do that. But I was like, I can't afford five hundred thousand dollars suits. So what did I do? I went to eBay. I was able to get suits for two hundred bucks. I was get, able to get secondhand Versace ties for twenty five bucks right? Wow. With small defects on them. And I got to wear those too. You know what I mean? Like that's how I, that's how I did that. That's how I got ahead, saved money. But while I worked there and I saved up a bunch of money, I saved up a few, um, uh, at the time, $50,000. Cause I was living at home and I was like living in the, in the attic above my parents. Well, <laughs> no, I was literally doing everything like scrimping and scraping, whatever. And then I met 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 somebody at the Chamber of Commerce. The name's Jeff, and I was so excited because he was one of my first mentors. And I said to him, "We." I, I actually took him out for lunch. It was out of Moxie's, and I was so excited to let him know I hit this benchmark of saving up fifty thousand dollars. And so I I was a bit nervous at the time to scare you know to do that because like who wants to brag about like saving up money, right? But yeah, that's what I did. And I I got up the courage and I was like, "Hey Jeff, I got to tell you something. I've um I'm really proud. I just saved up fifty grand." I'll never forget what he what he said to me, Jerry. He looked at me and he said, James, you're an idiot. <laughs> and I was like, what? My heart sank and I was like, oh my God, my tail was between my legs. And I was like, what are you talking about? And I knew in that moment, he knew something I didn't. And he said to me, he's like, James, that money is doing nothing sitting in your bank account. In fact, it's losing you money over the long term. Yes. And I was like, okay. And then- I was like, instead of defending myself or whatever, or, you know, trying to put my ego in play, whatever. No, I knew he knew something I didn't have always, always, always been the type of person that wants to learn from others around me. I don't want to have to figure everything out on my own. So I got curious and I said, Jeff, what are you talking about? What would you do? What do you do? He's like, you got to learn how to make your money work for you. And that's when he introduced me to investment properties. And that single meeting, the reason I'm bringing this up, the reason I'm bringing this up, because to some people, they'd look at it and be like, you only made $32,000 working at the Chamber of Commerce. Wow. I never focused on how much income I was making from the Chamber of Commerce. That single relationship with my mentor, Jeff, after that, and he told me about investment properties, within 90 days, I went and bought my first investment property. I took that $50,000. I used it as a down payment. I've now, over the past 11 years, gone on to buy 26 other investment properties currently have 97 units that are all cash flow positive. It's worth multi-million dollars in equity that I've been able to build up. Why did that happen? Because of that single connection from the Chamber of Commerce. The value of working at the Chamber of Commerce was that connection alone. Mm -hmm. Anybody watching and listening wanting to get ahead, how do you do that? You know, How do these things happen? It's because of my mindset. It's because that's what I approached that job. I wasn't looking at a job. I was looking at what could I learn 
from this experience? Who do I get to be around? And I learned that from Mark Cuban when I watched an interview with him like 10 years ago. It's like never get a job just for the paycheck. Get it for what you learn. And that's the approach I took there. And so I just share with you that that was that single meeting. Obviously, I had to do all the work. I had to buy the properties. I put a ton of energy, effort, and sweat, equity, blood, sweat, and tears, everything into that. But that is what led to there. And so that was one pivotal moment from working at the Chamber of Commerce. The second is that I learned and practiced and got to learn how to network because that's what the Chamber of Commerce is all about. And my role and job there was to sell memberships. So I had to go to all the networking events. I had to learn how to cold call. I had to learn how to go have meetings with very influential people. How that served me is later on, turned out things didn't work at the Chamber of Commerce because unfortunately, it's a bit of a political slash corporate environment, which at the time, yeah, I thought that I was going to climb the corporate ladder and that's what was going to make me happy and fulfilled when I got to that CEO title, you know, or whatever it is that, you know, people aim for in the corporate world. But I quickly realized that wasn't for me and it wasn't my truth and it wasn't what my heart really wanted. And I was doing that because I thought that's what you're supposed to do. That's what you get trained to do in university or colleges, get good grades, go get a good job and work your butt off. And maybe you'll get to the top. Maybe you won't. So I ended up quitting that job. And like I have throughout my entire life, I then created my own opportunity. What I realized, Jared, that I was passionate about was learning, education, and at the time, online business. And online business, because back then, I remember it distinctly, this was about 12 years ago now. Yeah, 12 years ago. I remember going in the grocery store where I lived, and for the first time, like there was those automated self-checkout things where you didn't even have to interact with a like a, a teller or a clerk or anything like that, you know, like somebody mm-hmm. bring out your groceries. And I was like, whoa, this is crazy. The fact that this is all automated. And I just saw that that was the way things were going. And I got, I'm always been a bit of a forward thinker. And I was like, if this is where things are going, how can I go where the puck is going or whatever that quote is by Wayne Rexy, right? Like, <laughs> where the puck is going. And so I knew online was the place that I wanted to go for the future. And so I started learning and researching and that's where I came across Evan Pagan online in a simple YouTube video, because in the nights what I was doing was studying and trying to learn how to get online. And I used the same approach that I did at the chamber of commerce. And I started to get to know his business because I, I made up my mind in that moment. I was like, this, this person resonates with me. And I bought some of his programs and I was like, I want to work for this person because I know if I get around him and his team of rock stars, good things are going to happen. I didn't know what was going to happen, but I just knew I had to get there. And so that's what I did is I learned, I used my networking skills that I learned at the chamber of commerce. Again, those have become lifelong skills. That was the real value I got from working there. And that allowed me to eventually get a job working with Evan, which has now, you know, gone on to, we've become business partners and we built several businesses together and, you know, financially, it's, I, I've made more money, you know, than I, than I ever could have dreamed of all because of those skills though. They date back to those skills that I learned at the chamber of commerce. And it's because of my attitude and mindset there. That's what I believe. And so that's the one message I share to anybody right now, listening to this is we are trying to get ahead. It's not about what you can get or in the, in the present moment, I think you got to think longer term, be a bit strategic with it 
and play the long game? And what are some of the intangible things, the things you're going to learn, the people you're going to get around, the relationships you're going to form that are really going to set you up for the type of success you want? James, you mentioned that um, in previous interviews, I've heard you mention that you, you were a bit of an introvert originally. and I still am. So, but what I'm also hearing is I'm hearing this contrast. I'm hearing that you also really had to push yourself outside of that comfort zone to network, to meet people, to accomplish the things that you wanted to accomplish. And so I'd be interested to know how have you overcome that? And is that kind of still a journey you're on? Yeah. So I'm a, a thoroughbred when it comes to being introverted. <laughs> <laughs> I'm a thoroughbred idiot. Yeah, oh, really? I don't yeah. think self-deprecating. I don't think <laughs> I mean, you've got a pod, you, you're ahead of most people. The fact that you've got a podcast here and you've taken action on that and you did a lot of the stuff we've already talked about here, reaching out and asking if I want to be on this pod, you know, that in itself is more than 99% of people are willing to do and put themselves out there. So I think it's an awesome job and um, give yourself some credit for that for sure. But when it comes to, when it comes to introversion, I, one of my friends who's, who's, um, I remember, I can't remember the exact quote, but I read something where introverts tend to be more successful because they are able to conserve their energy. They're more focused. They're, they're comfortable being by themselves and working, if that makes sense. Mm -hmm. And so for me, introversion, extroversion, all this different stuff, like we all, all are who we are and we all have our own uniques strengths and whatnot. For me, what I've done is I geek out on personality tests and profiles and all this sort of stuff. Why? Because it helps me understand who I am better. And then I can play to those strengths and work on the weaknesses I have. That's the first thing. The second thing is it helps me understand other people who I interact with on a deeper level, my team members, partners, this type of thing. So I'm always trying to learn as much as I can. And so for me, introversion, it's, um, I don't, I don't fight it. Like meaning like it takes a lot of energy for me to do an interview like this, or when I'm doing a webinar for me to do a webinar or me to do anything in a public facing place. I know that. And what I do is I budget around it. I budget around it. So what does that mean? It means as soon as I'm done this interview, what am I going to do? I live in Vancouver. It's summertime right now. I'm going to go for a bike ride after this. Cause I know I need that to recharge myself. I need that to recoup my energy because I know that about myself. So although we have these tendencies or whatever, introverted, intuitive, sensor, whatever, if you use Myers-Briggs, I don't think that should be a limiting factor to what you can and can't achieve. And if you want it bad enough, you're going to, you're going to find a way. And my best advice or recommendation would be to, to know your goals, know what it is you want, and then know yourself and just plan and, and give yourself what you need to be able to achieve the results you want while also not you know overextending yourself or burning yourself out in some capacities. James, you've also mentioned that you've in part achieved success because you've surrounded yourself with the right people. Um, and I think this ties in with that networking ability that you have. Um, but what I'd be interested to know is how have you been able to build those strong relationships and how would you recommend other people build those relationships? So when it comes to relationships, how have I been able to build the relationships in my life? 
I think that I think that it comes down to a few fundamental things. And the most important thing I would say is that you have to care. You have to care about the things you do, not just with relationships, but everything you do. Like care, like as much as you can, because I think that's going to have a big impact. And furthermore to that, I I feel like I was just thinking about something and now I, I, I'm on my computer here and I think it timed out. So then the screensaver came on and I lost my train of thought. So maybe it'll come back to me, but how have I been able to, to build those relationships? I've, James, um, do you want me to just redo that question? I can just ask it again and we can just take it from the top. Yeah, I don't, I don't really care. Yeah, no, I'm, I'm good unedited, but um, you can if you want. It's, it's your podcast, so we can either keep rolling or... No, let's just keep rolling. Yeah, awesome. I think, and I say that because I say that I would personally keep it in. I say that because it's a good learning lesson there in the sense that I find a lot of people, you know, whoever might be listening to this right now, sometimes we have this misconception that everything has to be perfect, right? Oh my gosh. You know, if I'm going to put myself out there, if I'm going to, you know, put some content out on the internet, if I'm going to do a podcast, I'm going to do a video, if I'm going to shoot a a Facebook live, it's got to be perfect. And I'm not going to do it. It's not perfect. I don't believe that. And you just see that here. It's like, oops, you know, my, my, my laptop screensaver came on because I'm not doing it on my laptop and I lost my train of thought. I'm human, just like everybody else. Right. And it's okay. And I've realized that that has really helped me just achieve so much success in my life because I don't let that stuff get me down. And you're going to have those things happen in your business. You're going to make mistakes. And I think that that can have a big impact on some people. Like if they make a mistake and then they start beating themselves up and criticizing themselves or whatever. So I just highlight that as you're watching this right now or listening to it, it's okay to make mistakes. Now, back to the question at hand, which was, I believe, introversion, right? Or no, no it, was, it was actually, it was actually, um, it was uh, building relationships and how to do that. Exactly. So, so when it comes to building relationships, I talked about, you have to really care. And with everything I do, Jared, I, I put like, I don't do a lot of stuff. I'm not the type of person that has like 29,000 different projects on the go. And also I pick a few things and get really good at it because I think our energy and how we focus it is so important. And so I care about every single thing I do and I want to do it the best job I can. When I'm building relationships, some of the things I do is go above and beyond, go the extra mile. How do you care about something? It means that if I'm having like meeting somebody for the first time and I've gone out of my way to try and get a meeting with them or do something or have them on my podcast or be a part of a live training that I'm doing, I'll do things like send a card or a thank you gift after the fact. I'll get their address and I'll send it to them to show that I care. I'll put a handwritten note things like that. That's just one example of many that I'll do to really just show like, I really, really appreciate this. And it's one thing to say it like, Hey, I really appreciate it. You know, helping me out, whatever. It's a whole nother level. When you take time to go write a handwritten note or send a thoughtful gift, that's just one example. Another example could be introducing people to other people that they could benefit from. This is something else I try and do all the time within my network. For example, if I meet two people and I think there could be a good connection there, I'll introduce them. 
not expecting anything in return. That's the key point. I'm not doing it to try and make some sort of commission or because there might none of that. It's because one of my favorite quotes is by Zig Ziglar, famous success guru, unfortunately not around anymore, but who said, if you help enough people get what they want, you'll get what you want. I've always, always, I say that to myself like 10 times a day. So I'm always thinking, how can I help other people get what they want? Whether it's my students, whether it's my team members, whether it's partners in our business, whether it's new people I meet, how can I help them get what they want? And so if there's an opportunity to connect people, I'm always going to do that. That's another example. So there's lots of different things I do to obviously foster and build my relationships, but those are a couple examples and it just shows you the level right? The level that you want to be operating at, if you really take this stuff seriously and you really want to get ahead, because if you aren't willing to do this, I can guarantee you there's other people that are willing to do this because I get those same thank you letters to my house, right? So <laughs> I know there's other people out there doing it. And, and I just share that to just give you a bit of insight into sort of what it takes. Send somebody a book if you think that they might benefit from it. Let them know about something. Let them know you're thinking about them. Stuff like that, it really goes a long way. At some point there, James, you, you talked about dealing with failure in your business and, and letting mistakes happen and being okay with that. Is that something that you have had to learn or is that something that's been intuitive to you? Yeah, when it comes to mistakes, I, I used to, it's a great question. And I used to, the reason I brought that up and the reason I'd suggest keeping the, the little mishap or whatever we made here, got distracted or whatever, it's not even a mishap, but keep it in here is because I used to be really critical of myself in the past. I'd make a mistake and I'd have to redo it five times or I'd beat myself up. And what I've realized over time, and I've learned this from my rental property business, where when I remember I got my first duplex, Jared, and when something went wrong, I took it personally. Like when the toilet clogged or when there was, I remember one time, like there was mice in the basement and the tenant called me and was like, hey, we've got mice in the basement and you need to do something about this. I was like, oh my gosh, I got to fix this ASAP. Otherwise they're going to move out and nobody else is going to want to live here. And you know, all these sorts of stories I was telling myself and I took it really seriously. And I obviously did everything I had to, to do that, but I saw myself taking these mistakes personally, or if I would make one. And what I came to realize is I built that real estate portfolio and I started getting 10 units, then 20 units, then 30 units. And I had all these clients and tenants. I realized James, you can be as perfect as you want, but guess what? The microwave is eventually going to break down. The washing machine <laughs> is eventually going to need to get fixed. And once in a while, the roof are also going to need to get either repaired or replaced. And that insight helped me realize just by the sheer numbers, this stuff is going to happen and it has nothing to do with me or my business or how I'm operating it. And instead, what I did is I budgeted those things happening into my rental property business. What does that mean? It means I set aside 5% every single month from the total rent I collected for repairs and maintenance. I budgeted mentally into my head that, hey, once a, once a month or once every two months, I'm going to get a call from a tenant that there's an issue. Just expect it. I just know it's going to happen. And what that allowed me to do is accept these things that were happening and just know it's just all part of it. And so I know now with whatever it is I'm doing, if a mistake happens, okay, it's it's going to happen once in a while. You do a hundred podcasts, you're going to make one or two or three mistakes, whatever it is. 
no big deal. And to roll with it more. And I don't beat myself up. I don't criticize, criticize myself. I don't let it get me off my game. None of that stuff. So that's how I approach them now. And I've actually learned that you make more, you learn more from your mistakes usually than you do by, you know, your wins. And so I don't even re really consider it mistakes anymore or failures. I consider it more so feedback because I know anytime you're doing something new, you need feedback to be able to know what's working and what's not working. Right. So that's how, um, that's how I approach it. That really resonates with me. And I, I don't want to take too much away from what you've said, but, but probably the biggest single thing in my life that has changed my life for the better has been reflecting on my failures and, and developing principles for myself. And so I've mentioned Ray Dalio on the podcast before, but he wrote a book called Principles. And, and in the book, the biggest thing to take away from that book was pain plus reflection is equal to progress. Pain plus reflection is equal to progress. And so when you, I think what you're describing is when you have a mistake like that, to reflect on it, figure out what happened, and then come up, and, and what Ray suggests is to come up with a way to stop that from happening in the future. And, and just like you've said, is not to beat yourself up. And so when you're talking about that, James, it just really struck a chord with me because I know how powerful that can be. Mm -hmm. Yeah, 100%. I agree. I want to circle back to something that you brought up earlier around mentorship. And it was about real estate. And we've already talked a little bit about real estate, but for the folks out there that may not know is, is that you've got a, a really substantial residential real estate uh, portfolio with, like you said, 97 doors. And um, I'd just be interested to know what, what kind of things did Jeff, I believe his name is, what did he mentor you on in real estate early on? Well, the biggest thing that he mentored me on was simply that mindset shift of you got to learn how to make your money work for you. That's the key thing if you want to be wealthy. I never would have known because I was operating under the mindset, the money mindset that I had at the time, which was, oh, to really get ahead and get ahead financially, I'm going to have to scrimp and save and just work as hard as I can to try and make a little bit more money or get that 5% raise at my job. And that's what's going to, but it didn't work out when I did the math. I was like, I'm going to have to work a hundred years and I'm still not going to be wealthy doing this. So. <laughs> That what I've noticed with, and I've had several mentors, some of which I paid tens of thousands of dollars to, like I mm -hmm. invest in myself, I believe each of us, the best investment you can make is in yourself. And so what I found is more than anything, what a mentor does, if you have the, a great mentor is they help you think bigger than where you're currently thinking at. They show you what's possible because they're doing it or they have done it themselves. And that raises your own level of awareness and what's possible. And once you start to believe it, once you truly start to believe it with every inch, fiber, soul, part of your body, once that's all aligned, then you can go out into the you know real world, so to speak, and make it happen. That's always been the key thing for me with any of my mentors is believing in something greater than I've even believed in myself. And so that's one of the key things that that um, he mentored me on. And then other than that, like for me, once I see something with my own eyes, I'm usually able to go do it because I take action right away. And so in that meeting, literally when I, when I shared with that and then it turned into like an impromptu mentorship meeting and I was like, okay, well, you, okay. So you invested in income properties. Okay. Got it. How do you do that? And he just broke it down for me a little bit. Like, well, you know, there's these things called duplexes 
which I didn't even know it was at the time, right? Like, <laughs> like, well, what's that? Well, it's one property that has two units in it. So two families can live either side by side or over and under. I'm like, oh, cool. Didn't know that. And he's like, you know, typically I'll pay $125,000 per door, you know, to, so that's about $250,000 for one of these properties at the time. This was 11 years ago where I invest. They're more mm-hmm. than that now where I invest, but you get the point. And I got a little bit of a formula like that. And then, you know, he said, and the key thing is make sure it's cash flow. And I was like, what does that mean? Well, it means that after all your expenses, I was like, Expen- what, what expenses? Well, your mortgage, your insurance, your repair and maintenance, all this sort of stuff. It's the amount of rent you get is more than that. And it's cash. I was like, okay, great. And then I had a framework and I had the basic premise for how it did it. And then I just went and did it called up a real estate agent and I went and started viewing properties and I started learning some of it as I went. That's the key thing. I didn't know everything before I got started. I had questions as I went, but the most important thing is I saw what was possible. I saw the vision and then I just took action right away. That's, that's really what, um, how, how it worked for me. I've never been the type of student that needed a ton of hand holding because I found that that usually is, just another form of procrastination. I'm the type, and I recommend this to anybody who has a mentor or want a mentor, the number one thing you can do, then like by far, if you've got somebody who's agreed to mentor, you want them to mentor you, is ask for their advice or ask what they would do. Never argue it, never debate it. They wouldn't be giving it to you. <laughs> you know, They wouldn't be sharing that with you if they didn't think it was in your best interest. And just take that one piece and go do it and then report back to them and just being like, Hey, Jared, you know, that thing you mentioned to me about doing, I just did it. What do you think I should do next? That's how you can build the mentorship relationship. So that's what I did. I went out within 90 days. I bought a property and I was like, all right, cool. What do you do next? And then it progresses from there, right? Nobody, any mentor, the worst thing is like, they'll share some knowledge or expertise or strategy, and then somebody doesn't do anything with it, that's like the worst possible thing. So that's where I'm helping people optimize against that. Go just take one or two things, get those nuggets, go implement it, report back. Hey, this is awesome. You want to take it a step further? And I've done done this with a lot of my mentors, like we talked about how before, how do you build relationship? I'd send a handwritten note. Hey, Jeff, remember that thing you mentioned to me about doing this, this, and this? I did it. And I wanted to let you know how grateful I am that you shared that with me. It means so much to me. Here you go. Maybe you won't even want to throw in a gift certificate there. Take it to a whole nother level. Do you see what I mean though? You can stack these Mm -hmm. things on top of each other. Not many people are willing to do that, but you do that. Guess what? When you show up again, you're like, Hey, what would you recommend I do next? Guarantee they're going to take your call or be interested in it because it's, it's just as rewarding and satisfying for somebody else. And, and I'm willing to bet that anybody who's got, you know, results or success in their life, they didn't do it alone. Nobody is self-made, you know? So (laughs) they've had mentors, teachers, coaches in their life who've done the same thing to them. And it's so rewarding when you are able to achieve some of those things and then you're able to give back. So those are some of the ways I would approach it. I want to take your advice and ask you for advice about real estate, what kind of advice would you give to folks that are thinking about investing in real estate right now? Investing in real estate right now. Well, the first thing I would do is I would, um, 
I would get clear on why, you know, like, why do you want to invest in it? Like, so if, if you're asking me specifically for advice, like why, why do you want to invest in real estate? To build long-term wealth. To build long-term wealth. Okay. So then what I would probably do is be like, okay, well, what does that look like for you? What's your current like position? Like what, what, you know, type of capital do you have to invest all this sort of stuff? And I would try and understand your situation a little bit better. And as well as like, do you have any experience in real estate or is this brand new to you or where are you sort of stand with that? That's a great question. So um, I've been watching real estate in, in my local market. So I'm based in Calgary, Alberta, Canada currently. And um, yeah, I've been watching the numbers and, and tracking that data for the last three or four years. And fortunately or unfortunately, at least in, in the Calgary market, the average prices have been declining for that period. And so I don't think there's any obviously rush to buy given kind of the current circumstances. Um, so as far as experience goes, I've never purchased a property. Um, treat me as almost as if I'm you with Jeff for that first meeting. Yeah, got it. And so that's awesome. You've been checking out the market for the past three years. Have you gone on any viewings? Have you, what other actions have you taken? No, I haven't gone on any viewings. What I've been doing is I've been trying to take a bit of a big data approach to real estate and tracking things like um, days on market, listings, uh, inventory, sale price, um, and then kind of just on a more qualitative side, just looking at individual markets and pockets of the market. Okay. And where do you live right now? Do you rent? Do you have a home or what's your living situation now? You just rent. You rent. Okay. And how much do you pay in rent? $1,300. $1,300. Okay. And do you have some capital saved up like that you can invest in real estate? Yes. Yeah. Okay. That's cool. So the very, I, I, I believe Jared, that real estate is the ultimate escalator to wealth. A hundred percent. The, a couple other sort of key premises that I would just sort of say up front is that with real estate, it is a long-term investment, meaning if you try and hold something for a year or two or three, that's when you're going to run into trouble, in my experience, sheerly mm -hmm. based out of paying real estate commissions, lawyer fees, deed transfer taxes, all this sort of stuff. That all adds up and it will eat into any possible gains you have, even if you make a little bit of money in a year or two type thing, that type of thing terms of fixing and flipping, I'd stay away from that because that's not investing, that's speculating, right? That's making a little bit of, so there's, there's when people think of real estate, I, I bring this up because we see these shows on TV where it's mm -hmm. like oh, fix and flip and I made 40 grand in four weeks. Stay away from that. In my opinion, if you, if your goal is to, and that's why I asked you why you want to get into it. If your goal is to build long-term wealth, you have to have a long-term perspective with it. And the way I found to be able to do that and what my mentor mentored me on and what I've been doing for the past 11 years is what's called like income properties or investment properties. And what that is, is you buy an investment property, not necessarily to go up in value. That's actually not what I care about personally. What I care about is the investment property is a true investment where it returns cash flow every single month. Do you know what, does that make sense? Do you know what that means? Of course, yeah, where the, the income after expenses um, is positive. Exactly, because far too many people, they get into buying something because they're like, oh, this is going to go up in the next year or two or three, mm -hmm. right? Like Speculation. So that's speculation, not investing. So 
yes, the market might fluctuate up and down or whatever. That's okay. If you have a long-term perspective, markets are always going to fluctuate. But if you buy something that's cash flow positive, I'm personally, my mindset is I'm not too worried about if it goes up or down in the long term because you're making money every single month. Your tenants are paying down your mortgage and you're getting cash flow every single month. If you factored in all your expenses, i.e. budgeted for vacancy, i.e. budgeted for repair and maintenance, then when those things come, that's okay. It's budgeted in and you're still making money after all those things have been budgeted. So that's my approach. That's what I would recommend in terms of action steps. If you, so if you have that mindset, that's the, that's the most important thing because you got to wrap your head around it. Yeah. I got to be a bit patient, be willing to spend five, 10, 15 years. And if you do that, I think you'll be really, really in a good position. And the other reason that I personally chose real estate versus like, I mean, what are the ways to build wealth, real estate, uh, stock market? Yeah. The stock market or business. And I stay away from the stock market personally. I've just, I think it's like just a big elaborate casino, you know, (laughs) and I, I'm one of the things in my career is I've always been like, not, I don't want to pretend or try and yeah, not pretend, but think I'm smarter than anybody else in the sense that I just look at the stock market and I'm like, there's these computers, these AI robots, these people Mm -hmm. on wall street. I'm not going to try and compete against them. Gosh, Versus with real estate, people are always going to need a place to live. I like that. One of the things I do study Warren Buffett, who I think is amazing. Mm-hmm. I read all of his annual reports. I read all of his stuff. Wow. And um, he talks about having these different things like get into a company that has like a moat around it, you know, that's protects. Yes. And so I see real estate as that because people are always going to need a place to live no matter what. And so that's why I like it. And so and starting a business is obviously good too, but I don't know. I, I like real estate. So with that being said, what I would recommend for, for the action steps is one, call a real estate agent and go actually start seeing some properties because that's when it's going to be more real for you. It's great to like be viewing things and tracking days on market and all that sort of stuff. That's cool. But something happens when you step foot into an investment property and you're like, oh my God, here I am. And then you're going to have all sorts of questions you're going to be able to ask them and your real estate agent is going to talk to you about different things and you'll get the opportunity to learn from that. Whether you buy something or not, you'll, uh, you'll get to learn from that. And I would educate myself on these different things because then you'll be able to make an educated decision. I'd never invest in anything you don't fully understand. And most importantly, then what I would do, Jared, is if you are renting right now, I would consider doing what I did, which is getting a duplex, living in one side and renting out the other. Because it will be really easy to manage. If you're going to live there anyways, well, get a place that you'd be happy living in. You're probably going to attract a tenant that's going to be similar to you, which, you know, is probably going to be a great tenant. And when you live in an owner-occupied situation, you're usually, every market's a bit different, every bank's a bit different, but able to put down 5%, you know, versus a typical 20% with investment properties. So I would choose something like that. And then I would hold it for five years minimum. And I would use that time to be like, you know what? I'm going to just take action on this. I'm going to be one of the people that actually takes action on this. And a few things are going to happen. One, you might totally hate it and realize I ne- I don't want to do this, but at least you tried and at least you got to experience. 
having a rental property and having real estate. And if that's the case, you can sell it after five years. If you've held it for five years after the mortgage pay down, after the cash flow you made, if you bought it right, you're probably going to break even more or less. So you won't have lost any money. Worst case scenario. Second, second scenario is you're going to do it and be like, oh my gosh, this is amazing. I want to get more of these. And you're going to realize this was the best decision. You were able to take that first step. And that's what led you to then get your second property and whatnot. And then you'll go on and get your second one and third one and realize, wow, this wasn't as bad as I thought. And I love this. And you'll build your portfolio. There might be a few other variations of options that happen in between there too. I don't know, but those are the two key ones that are going to happen. And that was the mindset I had. So we, we go back to like expecting, you know, budgeting for, for failures or whatever. That's the mindset I had where I just went through all the different options and I'm like, worst case scenario. Yeah. I'll just budget for maybe this isn't for me, but at least I'm going to be one of the people that actually tries it. So I can look back and not be like, Oh, what if, or I could have done this or whatever, do it. And I knew I could minimize my risk by I'll just sell it at the end of five years. If it doesn't work out and I'll probably break even. So that's what I'd recommend. Well, James, thank you. And and I think when you talked about people that didn't take don't take action, I think that I have fallen into that camp for a very long time. But I, I've recently come to the conclusion that um, that's not who I'm going to be anymore. And so when you talk about taking action, you really have inspired me. And and I'm just grateful that you've you've given that advice. I, I think on kind of a, a bigger theme, we've been talking about this idea of networking relationship building and i'd like to turn to the folks in your life that have mentored you and and kind of continue down that path because i'd love if you could tell us the story about how you networked your way onto tony robbins's private island if you could yeah that wasn't so much as of a networking my way there as much as it was yeah going to namali and fiji that was last year. Yeah, that was last year. And my business partner, Evan, and I, we promoted um, Tony and Dean, Dean Raziosi, one of my friends, uh, launched KBB. And so when you do these big promotions, oftentimes there's prizes to the top affiliates and partners. And so because we finished in the top 10, one of the, one of the prizes was you get to go hang out with Tony and nine other entrepreneurs in Namali and Fiji as, at his, uh, private resort there. So that was really awesome. And and that's how, that's how I got to go there is because we finished in the top 10 and, and got invited as part of that. So it was an unreal experience. For somebody like me that is very much a layman to that kind of world, I'd be interested to know from the people that were on that island, you've spoken about surrounding yourself with the best people, the brightest minds. Can you give us maybe one or two of the things that you learned from some of the folks there? Yeah, definitely. I I know there might be this allure of, oh my gosh, you know, and however you described your, what was the word you used? Like layman, is that it? Yes. (laughs) Yeah. Layman. I don't know. (laughs) But uh, yeah, I, I can, I can totally get where you're coming from. And there might be this like majestic allure of like, wow, what goes on there? And probably, you know, all these sorts of things behind the curtain. And, and like, look, I, I will, um, just share that at the end of the day, we're all human, you know? So no matter what somebody has achieved in the external world, the material world, Mm -hmm. which for me personally, isn't even as interesting these days, I've been much more on a spiritual journey lately after having accomplished a lot in the material world, the external world. So I've been going a lot more in internal lately, 
I, I just share that because we are all human. And at the end of the day, hanging out there, it was an amazing experience, you know, once in a lifetime experience, the biggest business event of my life. But I just want to help others understand that at the end of the day, we're, we're all human. And it's not like, you know, not going there, like building spaceships to go up into Mars or anything. You know what I mean? Like yeah. it, none of that sort of stuff happens. It's a lot of the same stuff would happen that, that you, you would probably experience with the friends or your peer network in that you have conversations, you have meals, you do fun stuff. Like we went snorkeling, we had some mastermind meetings and, you know, we, uh, we, we did that. We did Tony's ropes course where you climb 50 feet onto a telephone pole and then jump onto a trapeze and, you know, try and make it. So those are some of the things that happen. And the biggest difference I would say, and this is a quote that I heard a long time ago, that's always stuck with me is it's something along the lines of, you might've heard this too, but like small people talk about other people, hmm. medium people talk about events and big people talk about ideas or something like that, something like that. And that's the biggest thing I would say is, again, just like when I talked about the Chamber of Commerce or wanting to get on Eben's team and being around his team of rock stars, the value for me being in a place in a mastermind like that is getting around other people because of the ideas that they have, because of their mindset, because of the way they think about things. Do they have any special power of being able to like, you know, shoot spider webs out of their hand or something like that. No, none of that stuff, but being able to talk about and think at a higher level, that is the big value for me. And that's why I'm always doing my best to surround myself with people playing at that level. I want to tie two threads together here. And you, you spoke about bigger people thinking about ideas. And you also mentioned the spiritual journey that you're on. So can I ask you to share something maybe a big idea that's really resonated with you recently from that spiritual journey that you're pursuing. So what's, yeah, totally. What's, what's the question? A big idea? Yeah. What's a big idea that's been impactful to you on this spiritual journey that you've started or, or are on the progress of? For the context of this, because I'm assuming this is a business-ish podcast, is that correct? Business, but also exploring ideas and people. Okay. And so this doesn't have to focus just on business. This can be how to find how you found maybe meaning in your life, for example, or, or, or how, what you've learned on this spiritual journey. Yeah, totally. The, the biggest thing, the biggest idea I would share that would probably benefit this audience then would be for, you know, at the time of recording this, I'm 36 and a half years old. And as you can see from some of my journey so far and my experience with business and whatnot, I've always identified with being a high achiever and I've always tried to do sort of the things that I thought you were supposed to do things that have been yes. listening to me for such a long period of time, growing up, going to school from my parents, from my peers, from college, university, all that sort of stuff. And I did that because I thought that's what was a going to make me happy, quote unquote. And I thought that's what I had to do to be like a good person or, you know, all these different things. And I aggressively, you know, worked towards those and tried to do all of them, get the great job, make the money, buy the investment prop, like all of it. And by most people's standards, my, my, my own included, I've done a really good job with that in the material world, in the external world, have a nice place to live, 
drive a nice car, got some good investment, you know, all that sort of stuff. It's all, all the boxes are checked. But what I've realized, Jared, is that it can be a big trap. And I'm, for me, I'm, I'm fortunate that I've been able to achieve and experience all those things at a relatively young age, because, oh my gosh, I could just see how some people, I'm sure myself included, if I wouldn't have, you know, got to this realization earlier, could spend their whole life chasing these things, yes. these elusive materialistic things, getting that raise, making more money, then I'll be happy getting the bigger house, driving the nice car, going on the fancy vacation, whether it's Hawaii or Fiji or Italy or wherever the case may be. And after having done all of those things, and again, aggressively pursuing them, I was for a while in aggressive pursuit of all these material things because I was just craving and aching for the next thing, searching for the thing that would truly fulfill me and make me happy and coming to the realization that none of that actually truly makes me happy. It makes me happy for like seven minutes and that goes, <laughs> away, you know, like, quite quickly. <laughs> and so that's where I've almost had to, in a way, I still do business. I still love it. I still buy investment property. I love it. I love all the stuff I do, but I have a different mindset with it now where I'm not approaching it trying to fulfill me or make me happy as much as now I'm going inward and I'm on this sort of inward journey where I'm taking more time to be with myself, to journal, mm. to read, to reflect, to, I, the only way I can say it is like get more in touch with my spirituality, which isn't something tangible. It's not something that you show in your bank account or some trophy or some prized possessions, none of that. And so for me, that has just brought so much more, the things I, I just realized, you know, my big idea was the things that I was chasing and searching and yearning for, for so long, 36 years in my life, aren't actually the things that I wanted. And it's more of the, the, the internal peace, the mindfulness, the connection to something greater that's really actually brought me the most fulfillment. So that's, that's what really drives me these days. And um, like I mentioned, I, I just share that because I've always been the type of person to try and learn from other people's mistakes. And as I look up to people and my mentors and whatnot, if there's one thing I've learned from, you know, having, again, you know, a decent amount of material success at a relatively young age, it's just be very careful of the trap you can fall into that and the illusion that these things are going to bring you certain types of feelings when I've found um, after trying them all, you know, that it's not the case. So now that you've transitioned away from that material success and you're moving into finding spiritual success, how do you define meaning in your life? How do I define meaning in my life? Well, that's a pretty loaded, broad question. I think for <laughs> I'm yeah. sorry especially at the uh, end of this podcast. But for me, like what I, what I, and, and again, I don't, I, I haven't like thought deeply about that. Like, again, I, I try and I actually try and not think as much these days because I've been really good at doing that for most of my life. But I think the best answer I can give you to my, my, that question is what I've found the most enjoyment and fulfillment out of these days is things and qualities like kindness and contribution and giving and supporting others. So these days I'm in like, 
I bring that into everything I do, whether it's, and that's part of the reason I started my own brand about a year, year and a half ago where I'm teaching despite being an introvert is because I wanted an outlet to contribute to others and help them be successful, whether it's buying their own investment property or whether it's them starting their own online business or whatever the case may be and be able to contribute to their lives so that they can get success has just been just been such a, a it's brought that's brought me a lot of meaning and and happiness and fulfillment whereas before i would say i was a bit more on the selfish side of like how do i achieve these things for myself and aggressively pursue my goals and the things i want you know very different mm-hmm. now you know i i realize like i'm i'm happy with where i'm at and what brings me the most happiness and fulfillment is being able to contribute to others and so that's what brings me the most meaning and being a part of other groups that you know uh locally here in vancouver i'm a part of several groups and community also brings a lot of meaning and just being able to contribute and not get too caught up in you know again the materialistic and external world your status or position and all that sort of stuff which um when you strip it down these other things have really uh really brought me the most joy well, James, I want to say that you have made a major contribution in my life, and I know that this interview will make a major contribution to a lot of folks out there. So I am just absolutely honored and so grateful that you are interested in taking the time to chat with us. For the folks listening, if you want to learn more about James, you can find him personally on Facebook at James Mel Fan, Instagram at James Mel Official, or his website at jamesmel.com. Um, you can also learn more about the Eben Pagan Training Program at ebenpagantraining.com. James, thank you so much for doing this. You're welcome, Jared. This has been uh, this has been awesome, and thanks so much for everybody listening. And please do reach out and connect with me on those places, and hopefully get some value from this that can help you get ahead in your life. Thank you for listening, and I hope you enjoyed this episode. Please stay tuned for more stories from successful entrepreneurs, artists, influencers, and sports and medical moguls. Please know that I've got your back and the world needs you to go out there and create, innovate, and iterate. If you like this episode, then please subscribe on whatever platform you're listening on. You can also find Strive Accelerator on Instagram at Strive Accelerator. And find show notes and all of our free content on our website at striveaccelerator.com. I always want to hear feedback from listeners, so please shoot me an email at jared at striveaccelerator.ca.